Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Littmer. I am one of the elders at the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. And for this episode, I thought we would continue our examination of the marriage relationship. Is there anyone or anything more highly praised in God's word than the godly woman of the house? 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5 tells us, Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing, if they continue in faith and charity and holiness and sobriety. Oh, how the role of the woman expands when the children begin to arrive. In 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 14, we find the following. I will, therefore, that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. It has been said that the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. While that is not exactly true, who can overestimate the importance of the position of the mother? Speaking purely from a physical standpoint alone, I used to make my living loading and unloading cartons of paper from trucks. Those cartons ranged in weight from approximately 35 pounds to over 50 pounds. And I can say without hesitation that I would rather do that for 10 hours a day than try to keep up with a little baby all by myself for one whole day. What a job! A child needs personal attention and care just for their physical needs throughout the day. And as the keeper of the home, this falls primarily upon the woman. But even beyond the physical necessities to which a mother must attend for her children are the emotional and spiritual trainings that she must give them. In terms of time, she is with them much more than the father, and the influence she can have on her children is tremendous. Consider 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5. There we find, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that is in thee also. Two godly women in the life of Timothy had a great influence on his spirituality, his grandmother and his mother. In the long hours that a mother and a child spend together, there are so many opportunities to talk about Jesus and all the other people in the Bible. There are so many great opportunities to teach the differences between right and wrong. What a great lesson we can learn from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 7, when Moses wrote the following words, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk to them when thou sittest down, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Who better to do the teaching during those early years than the mother? I'm afraid that with today's society and economy, 
Many children growing up without mothers in the real sense of the word are out there, or in the sense that God intended. So many mothers go back to work immediately after the baby is born, so right from the beginning the child misses the influence of a loving mother. Even when they return home from work in the evening, oftentimes they're too tired to give the children the individual undivided attention that they need and deserve. Too many children are being raised by babysitters, not their mothers, and a mother will never get the opportunity to have such a profound effect upon her child again. Young mothers need to be taught that if there is a way possible, the most important thing that they can do and the duty that God has given them is to stay at home and raise the children. If work outside of the home is absolutely necessary for the family to have the basics of life, well then so be it. However, the most important job for the woman in the God-ordained family is in the home. So the woman is God in the God-fearing home is to be honored by the faithful fulfillment of her responsibilities. Hers is not a second-class position, and those who say that it is are just ignorant of God's word. What the world needs are more women who will fill their divinely appointed position, a position that is uniquely theirs. Now it is inevitable when two people live together in the most intimate relationship known to man, marriage. Disagreements between them are going to arise. This is nothing new, and it is not a sign that the marriage is on the rocks. It may even be possible to classify some of these disagreements as arguments, and that is not necessarily a bad thing either. Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26, Be ye angry, and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Paul is instructing us never to let our anger cause us to sin. When there is a disagreement, it is best to talk about it and to work it out verbally. It is sinful and counterproductive to let it fester inside of us until it affects our attitudes and disposition toward our spouse. But what happens when those disagreements become sharp and contentious? What happens when the home has become a battleground of sorts, and that perfect harmonious love nest that was envisioned when the vows were taken degenerates into a situation filled with wrath and bitterness, heartache and pain? When and if such happens, remember that it did not get that way overnight, and it probably will not be fixed overnight. In order for a marriage of Christians to reach that point, one or both of them has to have left God outside the door. It wouldn't get to such a state if God's will had been followed by both of them, and in order to fix it, God is going to have to be re-enthroned in that marriage. Brethren, I'm not an expert on this subject, but there are certain principles taught in God's Word, and He is the expert. He shows us that there are certain things that should be done and certain things that should not be done to fix a marriage in which there is a lot of fighting and unhappiness going on. Let's consider a few things that should not be done. Reading from the New King James Version, the canon of the Old Testament practically comes to a close with these words from Malachi 2.16. For the Lord God of Israel says that he hates divorce. Jesus in Matthew 19.6 said, what therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. One of the most clearly taught truths in the Word of God 
is that divorce is unacceptable behavior as far as God is concerned. There is only one reason for a divorce and remarriage that God would approve, and that is adultery, fornication on the part of one partner in the marriage. All of this being true, when fighting erupts in the marriage of two Christians, there is no excuse for bringing up divorce. I have been amazed at the loose threat of the divorce that has been made over the years by those who are members of the body of Christ. The world may throw the threat of divorce around quite easily. They may even try to use it as a club to beat a partner over the head with it, figuratively speaking, of course. But a Christian must never, never do that. To do so is sinful, reprehensible, and cruel. If fighting does begin to make take place in a marriage of Christians, or a Christian to a non-Christian, it must never, never become physical. I'm reminded of Paul's words in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 28 and 29. He said, So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, even as the Lord the church. I don't know of anyone in his right mind who purposely beats or hurts his own body in anger. God tells men to love their wives as their own bodies. And in Ephesians 5, verse 25, Paul wrote, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. I just cannot see hitting in anger someone for whom you would die. There is simply no way to justify hitting a spouse, whether male or female. Often when trouble arises within a marriage of Christians, one or both of the parties involved will begin to talk to others about the situation. It is good to seek the advice of those older and wiser, but it is not good to go from person to person telling everyone what is going on. I am personally convinced that some go from person to person giving their own version of problems in their marriage until they find someone who will tell them what they want to hear. Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and verse 3, For a dream cometh through a multitude of business, and a fool's voice is known by a multitude of words. Whenever fighting and unhappiness plague a marriage, the whole point is to make it right, not to win the fight. The focus must be getting the marriage to fit the pattern that God, the creator of the marriage relationship, designed. Don't look for people who will make you feel good in your particular side of the fight. Look for those who understand that the most important thing is to make the marriage in the way God intended it to be. In continuation of our discussion on what to do when fighting and serious contention breaks out in the marriage, let's look at some of the things that should be done. When you are fighting with your spouse and the family life is disrupted, when home is not exactly the place you want to be, it may seem that God doesn't really care, but he does. Pray, God will help. John wrote in 1 John 5, 14 and 15 the following, This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. In James 4 and verse 10, we find, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Understand that God answers prayer in the way he sees fit. He also answers in his own time frame. 
Do not despair if it does not immediately get better or suddenly work out. But know this, God will give you the strength to do what is right and bear up under the strain until it does work out. Remember Paul's statement in 2 Corinthians 12, 8-9, writing of his thorn in the flesh? He said, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. It never becomes necessary to do something that is wrong in God's sight to deal with a bad marriage situation. God promises sufficient strength to endure and to do what is right. If things go wrong in the construction of a building, the builders go back to the blueprints and make sure that each step has been properly followed. If things are going wrong in a marriage, go to God's word. Each partner in the marriage must be honest enough to look at God's word, examine himself or herself in the light of it, and see where they are personally, and if they need to make changes, they need to make them. Seek help and advice from the proper people. Who in the church is responsible for the spiritual well-being of every one of the members? According to Hebrews 13, verse 17, it is the elders. They are elders by virtue of meeting the qualifications set forth in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1. Those qualifications demand a certain degree of wisdom and experience. They are husbands and fathers. They have done and are doing a good job in their homes. That doesn't mean that they have been or always are perfect, but it does mean that they have done a good job in order to be qualified. Go to them for help. They care and are the best equipped to be of assistance. I believe another source of assistance of which the Bible speaks, especially for the younger women, is the older women. In Titus 2, one of the things the older women are to do is to teach the younger women to love their husbands. There's a lot involved in that. An older faithful sister who has successfully navigated the sometimes turbulent waters of marriage can be an invaluable source of help. Notice I said invaluable, not infallible, and make sure that they are faithful older sisters. Make the number one priority God. Next in line should be your spouse and in making the marriage work as God designed it. When number one is right and number two is right, then priority three, myself, will be just fine as well. Thanks for listening. I hope it's been helpful. We'll have more to say on this subject.